It is Cinco de Mayo, and the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is out. Rotten Tomatoes has it currently scored at 81% from the critics and 95% by the audience. And find out how you can win a movie poster later on in the video. I am Root. Welcome back to Tell the Two Bros. My name is Angel. I'm Adon. Where we try to give you a review at least once a week. So guys, if you want a copy of the IMAX movie poster of the Guardians Galaxy Volume 3, this is what you have to do. First, subscribe. Then email us at tellsthetwobros at gmail.com. And we will pick five random people to send this to. Spoilers. All right. Yes, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Now, before we go definitely into it, what we discussed in our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, mm-hmm. we pretty much were right on some of the topics. Oh, yeah. When we were uh, got sidetracked and segued about like the age gap and like the timing over the years. What? About the, the grandpa. Well, not just grandpa, but about raccoon, right? Mm-hmm. And some other things, I, I, other things too, I think. <laughs> but definitely the raccoon, definitely about the grandpa, mm-hmm. and some other things. I like right now. I'm blanking out because I know we discussed other things in our review, and it happened here or it came to life in this movie. Yeah. Again, this is written directed by James Gunn. This is his fourth Guardians of the Galaxy production because again, you have the you have the first movie, you have Volume Two, you have the Holiday Special, and then you have this. And I think he's done. Well, he has to be. He's not that he has to be, but uh, he's definitely uh, he like he oh, could he always come back. But he, how like can he's he come back if he how can he come back if he's the one of the heads of DC um, Entertainment or DCU? I mean, they they could always let him on hiatus on contracts. Could be revision. It's just maybe like years from now. Time will tell. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the movie, it says Star Lord will return, but it says Star Lord. It did not say the Guardians. The Guardians, yeah. So, although the Guardians do continue on with Rocket. Well, yeah, we see that too at the end of this. Yeah. But anyway, so, so I mean, they could continue. It's just their own without Star Lord. Right. I understand that. That's why it says yeah. Star Lord will return. Well, no, I'm saying that for the people listening. Like some people don't think uh, Star Lord is like the head honcho of the Guardians, and technically, no. Like, so you think in the comics, that, like, so you think our listeners and watchers are and viewers have no idea? They can't put that deduction. The canon. In? What I'm, canon? What are you? The talking canon about? of the comics, man. Dude, it says Star Lord. It's not Guardians. That's what we're saying. Star Lord returned. That character returned. Yes. There's nothing about, it's not uh, talking about anything else about the Guardians. We know that the Guardians are going to be continuing on their own, be it with the MCU or what have you, but the adventures will still live on. But for us as the audience who watched it, it says Star Lord Return. That's what, that's what it said. All and right. Chris Pratt will return. Chris Pratt. Okay. Holy crap, dude. You okay? How's that back of yours? No, well, I mean, like, there's been talk about people, like, saying, like, they're not coming back, like, uh, like uh, Drax, like, what's his face? Well, he's done. Yeah. Exactly. That's why they have a new Guardians of the Galaxy. That's what we saw there. And I understand that. But just like the Avengers, people can come back 
any time. Even though they're saying they're done, they, like they can come back potentially. Maybe a flashback thing or have you. Or cameos, no, yeah. Yeah, but they're done. But regardless, Jesus. How was the your audience experience? Actually, it wasn't filled. I got there at noon. So that was like mm -hmm. the first showing of the day. Uh, there was like one group that was talking like several rows up, but only that was like near the end being a long film. Yeah, and I think it's the longest of the trilogy. It was, I, I, or at least it felt that way. Granted, I had to go to the bathroom, so it makes it feel longer. But it wasn't like at a moment where I was like, shut the up. You know, it was just mm -hmm. eventually someone had to say something. Overall, everybody was hyped at the same moments. Not the Peter Quill moment. Oh, yeah, no, it was the Star-Lord moment that you were talking about. Someone uh, made a noise or it sounded like, hmm, interesting. And then they got up and that was it, like in the theater. For me, like the, the theater was pretty empty. Kim and I went Thursday prior to the national release. You went at night though, right? Correct. We went at night, but other theaters were packed. The IMAX was packed and the Dolby Vision Cinema was, was packed. All that stuff was packed. So we got one at a time where it wasn't so packed. We got... You're able to get seats, but of course, someone wants to sit right next to us. In an empty theater, they still want to sit next to us. I was like, like, why can't you just be a row behind us? And like, it made, well, anyway, I was very into it. I was being very vocal on the moments that were, you know, that were called for, be mm -hmm. it laughter, be it shock, be it what have you. And some other people were like that too. I mean, I was clapping here and there. So uh, yeah. Now, in our last review, or in our review of the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, we weren't sure how this was going to be because of how long ago it was since, the, since this, even though they had a refresher with the Holly special. True. And since this is, will be James Gunn's last Marvel film until he's done with DC, I was a little apprehensive. But holy crap, was I amazingly surprised. I was on a ride. It was Great. And again, it was another story-driven movie. From the beginning, actually, uh, the story was very mm -hmm. strong uh, in, on going on. And then I would dare say more emotional-driven in this oh, film than in the yes. previous two. Well, the first one, I don't really feel it emotional. It was more like, get the team together and let's go. And it was like yeah. an origin story of the team. I agree. Mm -hmm. And then the second one was more of an origin story of Peter, in a sense, his backstory and all that stuff, right? How he came to be, who his father was, things of that nature. Plus, and we had more Mantis and Mantis. Well, that's not really an origin story. Um, her origin story came more about in the holiday special. True. A little bit with Gamora and Nebula, in the sense of their backstory came up to more fruition, mm -hmm. uh, as mm -hmm. well as character development for Rocket. A little bit, and also with Yondu. Mm -hmm. But here was more of a this was definitely an origin story for Rocket of the Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, especially when he gives himself a name. Mm -hmm. it was always called Rocket, but in a sense of like he gave his full name. He recognized who he was, and says he always, when people called him a raccoon, he would deny it, will fight it. Yeah, uh, it was tearing you at the heart on so many levels, especially with him and his cellmates, his yes. friends. Mine, I add, Floor was terrifying to me. But she wasn't. No, she was No, I, I agree. But when you first see her, Correct. and you know she's a bunny, but the, the way they do her mouth, like jagged teeth, but they don't move, I'm like, 
yo, you're terrifying. Yeah, it's a speaker. It's a speaker, but it's drawn like little triangles, so it looks like jagged teeth. Oh, so you know what? I didn't even see that. I just saw a mask like she was wearing or she was speaking through. I didn't see oh, yeah, the yeah. teeth. I yeah. didn't recognize the teeth. It's because it's all like triangles up and down, up and down. Um, like big old triangles. But like I pictured that like an anime character kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And right. I was like, ooh, that looks terrifying. But she's so adorable. Well, they all were. Yeah. I mean, teeth, teeth was great. Teeth was great. And uh, the, wheat, uh, the ferret or the otter. She was amazing. It was great. I can't remember her name right now. Uh, was, uh, 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 um, Lila. Lila. That's so heart wrenching of what he went through and what they went through, and but they were able to be positive. I actually um, think it was a great. Personally, I think it was a great idea to have the flashback throughout the film mm-hmm. rather than one long flashback. True. True. I mean, it makes sense where he's like dying, and, and I guess he's remembering or forced to remember his past or mm-hmm. maybe he's always been dealing with it and but he always held it in and but now we're seeing what he's been this ptsd yeah well yeah but what he's been like covering up yeah but he, he, he still had that key right no he even at the beginning key. of the film yeah right now the action starts relatively right away you see that everyone is back again it takes right after pretty much the holiday special they're on nowhere, the same planet the collector was at. The skull of the celestial. And you still and see first, Howard the Duck. He's still there. And you still have that um from the first film The Broker. Uh, that's who he is, right? The broker, right. That's the name I put on him. I could be wrong. But, right. But he's, he's he, like a, he he was right. on uh Xandar uh, right. and then he went there. Correct. And he was in the second film as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so even though they're, they're the Guardians of the Galaxy, that's mm-hmm. established. The first film, as we mentioned in a review of Volume 2, the first film was like they were protecting up one planet in regards or with they want to stop there before it gets a domino effect of affecting other worlds. In the Volume 2, the threat was uh, Ego taking over multiple planets, pretty much the galaxy, yeah. at one time simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Here is all around Rocket. It's, it's centered about him. They go to mm-hmm. save him. That's that's what it's a, it's a rescue mission in the sense of to save him. It's to save their family. Right. But that, you know, but sometimes for a lot of families, that's their world. That's their galaxy. That's their universe. Mm-hmm. Their family. Yes, you have the, um, who's the main villain here? The High Evolutionary. Great, by the way. Awesome. And he's also from Peacemaker, which was amazing because we'll go to that later. But he was the main threat. He was kind of like Thanos in a way of how to make perfection, but in a different way. And what he'll do to get it right, he didn't care because he was more like a scientist approach that he'll just burn everything and start anew. Yeah, like a Dr. Frankenstein kind of situation. Correct. But heroes, again, is... Their world, your universe, their galaxy is Rocket. Or not just Rocket, but a part of the family. So if someone got hurt from one of their families, all that focus is there. Yeah. In a sense, to save that family. So it's like well, nothing the, else matters. They kind of emphasize that part with like Peter Mantis is talking to him. Mm-hmm. And they keep touching mm-hmm. on that. You're focusing on the loss, not the ones who are here with you or who you could be reconnecting right, right. so you don't lose that loss. So that's the overall tone of the film driven home by Rocket situation. Oh, and then we now, get Adam Warlock, by the way. We get Adam Warlock, but he's not really a bad guy. 
You know, I was like, they, they gave it out in a way to say that, or in a way in the previews, even though I just saw one preview, they presented him as the main antagonist. And he's not. He's just a soldier. Yeah. I mean, but, when he first started out, that was essentially the case. He wasn't, uh, he he was created and in, in to serve. You talking, talking about the comics? In the comics, yeah. Okay. He was created to serve, and then eventually he became more aware, kind of like how he was here. Different storyline, of course. And then he became the Adam Warlock hero, which is, I don't know, it's kind of weird in the comics. He's sometimes like, I will be in the forefront being the hero. And then sometimes he's mm-hmm. like, I will stand in the background and watch everything happen. I just the whole right. cosmic awareness thing. But um, bringing it back, I thought he was fun. Oh, uh, He was great. I thought he was awesome. And they did a great job in a way that with him, he's premature. He was, he was taken out too soon. Yeah. So he has that young mentality, trying to do the right thing, try to appease mother. Learning about emotions and like, not necessarily what's right or wrong, but to him, what mother says is what's right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And then he starts feeling things and that's contrary to what he should. Right. He's he's learning. And the thing is, he, just like the other guardians, he's without a family. Mm Mm-hmm. Then he becomes part of that family at the end. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of Easter eggs. There's a lot of callback to the first two films, of course. But you know that I refer to almost every movie to what? Star Wars. Yes. And they did it here as plain as day. Please enlighten us how. <laughs> you don't know? I, I probably I probably caught it and then forgot it. What is the one of the biggest quotes in Star Wars lore, besides the the obvious. A few moments later. Um. A few moments later. So, what's the obvious to you? I am your father. No, 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 no. Okay. The second obvious is what? Do it. <laughs> okay, that's another. She's Join the dark side. Uh, no. <laughs> another obvious one is may the force be with you. Yes, or uh, okay. and uh, like we uh, we need your help will be one. Right. Okay. There's a lot of good quotes in Star Wars. Right. Okay. What is one quote used in every Star Wars film? A few moments later. I'm drawing a blank right now. I have a bad feeling about this. That's in every film? Except for for Solo. Have a bad feeling about this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because as soon as you said it, I, re- I remember it. Yeah. Yes. Drax says it on Counter Earth. Mm-hmm. Marvel is owned by Disney. Star Wars is owned by Disney, and they put it right in there. I mean, I was the only one, I guess, that got it in the theater. Obviously, you didn't get it either. But said like a lot of Easter eggs, and this is the first film, Marvel film, they dropped the F bomb. Is it the first they dropped the F bomb? Yes. With Star Lord's telling the uh, Nebula to get in the car. The I know they do a, a like they kind of push it a lot of times so. though. Well, that's James Gunn. Yeah. So, so you know that's that's what he does. Also, the soundtrack James Gunn, like Quentin Tarantino, mm-hmm. is very music driven in the sense of how they tell the story. They use music to help move the story along, to help the audience connect to the story. Besides, like musical score, they use regular stuff that we've grown up on or what he has grown up on or what their, his family has grown up on. Yeah, I, I can believe that. It, well, because like he, he was going through the decades, really, uh, between the films. 
And Ooh, but what? But what? The thing is, what my point is, it shouldn't work, but it does. Oh, it absolutely did work. Yeah, I agree. He'll play a music or have a song on when a certain scene is going on, like action scene, what have you, and he has the music playing. I'm like, wow, this really works for this. Well, it's also interesting that he does it in a way that it actually it's not just the soundtrack; it's tied into the film, like it's part of the story and part of the film, like. The opening scene where actually like uh, a lot, all the opening scenes, the songs are actually tied into it. And the first Guardians, Peter's dancing, listening to his Walkman. Mm -hmm. The second one, you have Kurt Russell, um, Ego driving his car. No, right? but that's more. But Groot is also dancing. Oh yeah, yeah that's well. That wasn't that after that part. But, but still, still that's, yeah. that's the thing. And then in this one, you have uh, I'm a Creep by Radiohead, uh, and Rocket's listening to it, but he's playing it on the loudspeakers inside the city. That's not the point I'm talking about. I'm talking about the action scene, because that's, that, that doesn't really matter, because that's just music they're listening to. But what I'm talking about the action scene is where they're not listening to it, they're not hearing it, you know, but it's for us to hear, to help drive the action scene, or help drive the scene. True. Right? That's what I'm talking about. They it's, also it's do listen to it when they're fighting because in the last fight scene, like you see Peter put it in the earbud. You're missing the you're missing the point again. I'm just saying they still you're do missing it. Missing the point again. It's not. I, I understand that part where they're listening to it, but what I'm saying about the scenes where they're not listening to it, and the thing is, it helps us be engaged of the scene. I'm just saying mm -hmm. that's just it's just smart. And again, it shouldn't work, but it does. All right? I'm not saying like where the characters is actually listening to the music and they're whatever they're doing, cleaning or firing up that, that we've seen that in multiple films, Iron Eagle, Blade three, where one of the characters listens to music as they are in the action sequence or as they're fighting, whatever to help ramp them up or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's not that that's not what I'm talking about. Now, as we've mentioned that in the other reviews that if you work with James Gunn in one project, most likely you're going to work with him in several projects. And we have this here. And from the main people, well, I'm not saying about the main people, but some of the people from Suicide Squad and from Peacemaker are here in this one. Mm -hmm. You have Nathan Fillion, who was Detachable Boy in the Suicide Squad. He makes an appearance here. Yes. You you have girl that was on the mic. Was it her? You're talking about the, the pink one. The blonde. Oh, uh you're well, talking about the, the sovereign. She moved the, no, she's gold. The sovereign is gold. Yeah, you're talking about the blonde. Are you okay today? Oh, you're talking about the other blonde. That one was like whoa, 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 and they shot her in the leg. Yes, Jennifer Holland. She was the administrator. Quote. She's the one that with the mic. She she was like it looked like a golf ball, and she moved it. Mm -hmm. E. Bradley Baker. He's the voice actor of the clones from the Clone Wars. Tara Strong, famous voice actress. She was the mainframe. Sylvester Stallone makes a reappearance. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's uh, stack art or board. Judy Greer, she was the war pig. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth DeBecco, who was the Aisha, that was the sovereign. And Nico Santos, he was awesome. I love him. He's from Superstore, that show that was on NBC. thought he was awesome in here. Chuck Woody Iwaji, the one who played the high evolutionist, I thought he stole it. He was amazing. Besides Rocket, besides Drax. Because those two guys are actually scene stealers. But when he was there, oh man, you can feel like that his anger and his drive, his insanity. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite moment, the action, what have you? A small moment that I thought was just stuck with me as being hilarious was when they when 
not only did they save the children, but they saved the animals. And you see the one girl's, she's like, wow. And then Mantis throws the monkey on her face. And the monkey's just like clawing her face. So oh, yes, yes, yes. Funny-wise, I loved when I when I first saw Nathan uh, Fillion kind of show up. He confronts the Guardians. Mm-hmm. And Drax makes a comment. He's like, "You got that, that's the boss's son, you know, nephew." Right. And he goes, "I got one too." And he goes, I hate, "He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill him." <laughs> he looks at the one guy. He's like, yeah. "Did you say something?" He's like, "See." He's like, "Shut up." <laughs> he looks at him with like such disgust. Exactly. Was, but yeah, that was a great scene too. And then he does it again when he sees Adam Warlock. Yeah, and he nukes the one guy. He's like, I got one too. I totally understand. Uh, the dynamic between them, uh, the characters, uh, I loved how Gamora was. Personally, I like I, I like this version more a little bit more than I did in the first two. Only because, going back to what I know in the comics, this was the Gamora I grew up with. Okay. The more savage one, the more uh, aggressive one. But it was great seeing her go through that development. The fight scene at the end uh, between uh, what they call them, the Hellhounds or something like that. The cyborg Anamen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that was a great scene. Yes, mm-hmm. in the hallway kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That was a great scene. Yes. And that was a scene that worked with the music. And that mm-hmm. was actually a fantastic fight scene. You could literally go through the fight scene and just randomly freeze frame. And those will be great, like wallpaper frames. Like there was a shot I remember stuck out to me where rockets jumping over and they like get him like posing over and then shooting them on one of them and yes. i was like that's I, that like look like the scene from the comic and i was like that's great and they're in their outfits it's awesome real quick i mm-hmm. want to mention also michael rosenbaum you know who michael rosenbaum is name's familiar he played lex luther in smallville yeah 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 yeah. and he also he was the voice of um the flash in justice, justice league, league. Mm-hmm. he plays sylvester stallone's character's right hand man the one this the glass crystal face he only had like maybe two lines, I want to say. Yeah, but, but cool. But still, he's in it. Yeah, yeah. He has it. And he's in the fine two as well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. Shoot. I thought the introduction scene when they show Adam Warlock coming in and just wrecking everything was oh. also really good. His his costume was awesome. His costume was on kind, point. It, it kind of reminded me of Thor a little bit with the cape. True. But he, uh, he's always had the cape, comic no, book wise. I. I uh, Oh, no. There was a time where he got rid of the cape. I understand, but I'm just saying that how the cape is, and then the armor was very similar to Thor's. Yeah. I'm not saying that he didn't have the cape in the comics or not. I'm just saying it was very similar as that. Uh, Lloyd Coffin does make a, re- a reappearance. He's a Rindle Mop. I don't know who that is. And you have Nebula, when she's fighting Warlock, she has like a, a Tony Stark's gear. Like the way she her hand goes into a, a ray gun, whatever, but her her back opens up just like how rescue um, Gwyneth Paltrow's character. Well, that was a backpack out. that she put on, but yeah, I see what you're talking yeah, about. That comes out in the sense of like, because remember she stayed with um, Tony for a while on the ship at the end uh, in the beginning of Endgame. So here's one thing that caught my attention: her arm. Because remember, uh, well, two things. Remember in the Christmas special. She got gifted Bucky's arm. Oh, that's right. So I think it was just remodified. But Probably because he can do that. Yeah, and she did mention he upgraded like her. Uh, the other part that I was thinking about, and you may not caught this reference, but like I was watching it, and 
I could have swore that arm was essentially the same arm as the Sentinels in Days of Future Past. You would see it do the whole change, and it was like almost the same. And then uh, you'll see the cannon. The cannon looked very similar to it. And then even the sword and even the tendrils. Yeah, it looked like a chain mail, like what knights used to wear underneath their armor. Mm-hmm. But no, it was really cool. But I, I did notice that, yes. But of course, it's a miniature scale comparison to the Sentinels. Absolutely. But it, it, I saw that and I was like, wow, that looks scarily like... Um, and it's possible that they could have mm-hmm. t- uh, took the idea from Days of Future mm-hmm. Past and argue right. that that's the same thing. But that's very cool tech, if, if that is what it is. And Nebula got wrecked most of the film speak of which she definitely did she but you know her body can re can heal quickly she's like wolverine yeah granted that and um i would see mantis take some hard hits and i'm like mantis what up with that like they dropped her into the cell she fell onto her head like sideways oh my god i know twice <laughs> when she was in, the, when she, they were in space, yep, and she landed on, on that um, hairy skin planet, and then when yes, when she fell down, and those are the same creatures from the beginning of Volume Two, the ones that everybody eats. No, I'm thinking of Volume One, where it's the same creature in Volume One too, where he uses it to sing. They're like rats. Dude, the, are you okay? The ones on the stick. You're talking about the I'm, creature. No, I am talking about the ones that after she they fall and she falls on her head and those three creatures. I don't remember out. the three creatures that she fell on. The one that she controlled and when she's leaving nowhere, they, they follow her. She calls them. Yeah, that's when they release when they open the cage. Yes. Yes. It's the same creature that they fought in the beginning of volume two. I'm sorry. I was picturing her falling. She didn't fall on those creatures. No, she did not, but she I am explaining. I'm explaining Dude, to you, you why. Just I, saw the, you just saw the movie, and you can't remember that they fell onto the floor. She falls on her head. That's the scene like I mentioned broke. first, right? And then after that, the creatures come out when they open up the cell, uh, and like yes. the kids are gone, and it, which I was wondering, like because the kids were there, it was to scare them because she knew that they wouldn't kill because they eat batteries, mm-hmm. they eat energy source. Just like they did in the first uh, in volume two. Yeah, but you are you, are you, I, are you okay? I thought are you said you there okay? was a second time because there wasn't a second time when she fell. She fell on her head in the on the planet where they're all dressed as Power Rangers. Okay, that yeah. was the first time she fell. Mm-hmm. She landed incorrectly, and then she bounced, and then they put the gravity boots and they were able to stick the landing. But that's what I'm talking about. That's why she clearly landed on her head, and then we thought she died. She broke her neck because she literally fell on her head. And then those creatures, three creatures came out. But are you okay? Because you're like all over the place. Listen. That's, that's usually my job. <laughs> Listen, those three creatures came out a whole 15 minutes later. So it wasn't to me in the same scene when I was thinking about it. But no, fair enough. I know, I know that, but I'm talking about other things, too, because you're like talking about other things randomly. Are you on drugs? Are you taking painkillers? Not yet. I'm about to. What uh, name a scene you liked? I've gone through my scenes. The hallway scene where they're finding the mech droids, lack for a better term. That was good. I like that. And I liked everything with Rocket, all his flashbacks. Everything about with Rocket, his flashback, his friends, learning about him is, again, very emotionally driven. I would have been happy if it was just that, pretty much. The majority of the story 
was about Rocket's past. And then we go into the future and then go back to the flashback or to the past. I would have been happy. Like Bloodsport. Because that's pretty much what they did. They go yeah, a full they, 30 minutes flashback. Yeah, true. But what I also did like was they brought some scientific authenticity towards the end where Peter is running to jump onto nowhere. And he's the last one. He's like almost there, but he takes a hose that has some, some kind of extinguisher or gas to push. And he jumps out and then he lets go where the air pushes him. and that pulls him uh, towards nowhere. And that's science. In space, you, that's what it is. You, you, all you need is a, a slight touch and you'll go. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure if him hitting a little debris will stop him. Maybe. It, it can. Okay. So they got that beautifully. And then also his body, when he starts to freeze and his his, his body is pretty much blowing up from the inside out. The face deformity and all that stuff, that is science. That will happen. Granted, it will be actually faster, but since he's half human and half celestial, it probably will slow it down. But the, the, the body deformity that happened, that's what happens in space when you're not protected, not wearing a suit. But I also like right there too, when Adam Warlock goes to save him, is the, the pose of creation of man. We've seen it before in the last action hero was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, kind of, sort of, where he poses. No one's, no one's reaching with a finger or his finger, but I, I kind of like that. Like James Gunn, even though he came from Trauma Studios, from direct-to-VHS movies. Oh, did you know that they're coming out with a Toxic Avenger remake with Peter Dittridge? Not a clue. Wait, is that like a full-on film? Like trauma-produced or like a... Well, it has to be somewhat. Like, trauma has to have rights to it. Cause well, I mean, they product. usually do like lower budget. They usually don't do like big budget films. I feel like Peter Dinklage would be like a bigger budget name now. Now, Right. But don't forget, Toxic Avenger had toys, had a toy line. They had a cartoon. It made money. It made bank. So they have money to do it. Even, or maybe a studio, Warner Brothers, what have you, put in the money to finance it. But yes. They're coming out with a new one. That's it's in the works. So happy days for you. Two and a half hours didn't seem like two and a half hours. The pacing was good. No, I never. I didn't get tired I, from here. I didn't get distracted. There were some moments that were too long. Like you talking about the the guy that they jumped out yeah, the window with? No, Craglin, the guy with the the arrow. Oh yes, and the cosmic space dog. Mm-hmm. Cosmo. Mm-hmm. I think that was a little bit too long in the sense of. You know, you're a bad dog. For the running joke. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a running joke. It was like, it started off cute and it was like that. But now him, again, he had a great moment. And to see Yandu back, even though it was like for that was great. two yeah. seconds, it was a great, like Kimberly, she's like, oh my God, she got so excited, even though it was just a memory. And to say the line, you know, you think I use my head, boy? Yeah. Do it with my heart. Even though he said it to Peter in volume two, not to Craglin, but maybe he did. Maybe he was trying to teach him one day. And we didn't see that flashback. Yeah. But really, no, there's no really weak moment. What about uh, when they first land on the planet? Yeah, possibly, I guess. I'm not really, I'm not mad at it. I'm not, no. It didn't really last that long. It just, for some reason, I don't know why, but it did remind me of The Last of Us when they go to that house and they stay there for a little bit. I don't know why. I don't know why either. I mean, it, it, everything felt like it was supposed to be like 1980s. 
style, even yes, the cars. The, 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 the cars, the, like almost like it was from Peter Gwill's memory. It almost, yeah. But even though it's high, high evolutionary. Uh, it's probably when he first, uh, he probably went around the same time that uh, Peter was abducted. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Possibly. But, I mean, the high evolutionary, his costume was great. I love it. Just purple and then a mask. And then we find out why his skin is all peeled back because of what happened with him and Rocket. Which w- Granted, And then the fact that they showed his face, I was like, ooh. Yeah, but that doesn't make sense then. Because you take the mask off and his eye, like one eye is like skin all over it. I was like, but then if he had the mask on, that would not be covered it would be you, I mean, know what I'm like, you, you can you can argue it's like almost like the avenger tech where black widow would use the mask that will duplicate anything so it's like just duplicating muscle tissue or the fact that it's connecting to what looks to me servos or whatever and it's using electrical signals to flex the muscles of the face there's a lot of things it's alien tech do we understand aliens no no but he had a, just a mask he had the hooks into the into the helmet, yeah, back of his head. Yeah. Oh, and then they, they did a call to RoboCop, and he did look like RoboCop. Yeah, that callback because in RoboCop, uh, Murphy has his skin pulled back, attaching to the metal, and so does the High Evolutionary as that as well. Yes, I cracked up. I, I think I was laughing for a good two minutes. I thought it was funny though when they introduced the High Evolutionary to the Sovereign Priestess, and he uses a stool. To be eye level with her. <laughs> yes. It's just a quirky little thing. Right, um, it's a, something subtle, but right. That for him to feel superior, I guess. Do you have a weak moment? Is that the, the planet, Counter Earth? I'll be stretching because uh, right now those are all really good moments. And Counter Earth could have probably been trimmed down a little bit, if anything, but you're just shaving off like very very few minutes if anything i what I was going to say is that there is a actual this is just to segue back to a moment you mentioned about the being frozen in space i can't say that it would exactly happen like that not just because he's like part alien there is a video breaking down like the science of what will happen to your body in space it was an older video about like six videos ago uh six year, years ago with a, a, a known youtube scientist kyle hill on a, on a channel called Because Science. Love his stuff. He's a very scientific guy. Definitely, I would say, check that out. And uh, he, he talks about like how fast it will take to freeze in space versus all that stuff. And because I remember, I haven't watched it right now. It's been years. But it's you know, not you remember? off the top of my head. No, it took all this just to remember that video. Because, you know, in Volume 2, when they were ejecting everybody, they were freezing fairly quickly. He's like, it's a lot faster, it's a lot slower, actually, to freeze. The puffing, though, uh, because the oxygen is trying to pull out and escape from your body, that's, uh, I want to say, it's going to be more viable. But the freezing in space is going to be a slower process because it's the exhaustion of the heat. Uh, Like, uh, it doesn't instantly freeze things. Oh, it says here 12 to 26 hours. Yeah, that's like a whole day. Okay, but the expansion yeah. of the—I I can't argue the expansion of the body or anything like that because that, to me, that that makes sense. Right. It says here, uh, just a real quick quote. Uh, real quick quote: You'll eventually freeze solid. Depending on where you are in space, it will take twelve to twenty-six hours. But if you're close to a star, you'll burn to a crisp. Yes, that's true. Because this so, is a 
But still, I mean, it says there's some there's some science proof right there in that scene. There was multiple bits of science in that scene alone. Right, I agree. In Rotten Tomatoes, this movie by critics is ranked eighty or scored at eighty one percent by the audience is ninety five percent. I am with the audience. It is so damn good. This is better. This is the best one of the trilogy of the four productions, in my opinion. Again, yeah, story I remember driven. you weren't a fan of this, uh, the Christmas special. Maybe next Christmas no. you'll be more of a fan. Maybe if they do it. Until this point, number two, volume two, was the better one. This one beats volume two. Again, the story. The story got me. Rocket story. How the team, the family. And again, and like, again family. Very... Fast and Furious, as we mentioned before, of Volume 1 and Volume 2. This is very mm-hmm. family-driven. They have to save their family. That's the main thing. They don't care about money, what have you. They just care about saving Rocket. Speaking of Fast and Furious, that's a, that's a part I didn't need. I didn't need Vin Diesel changing up his line saying, I love you guys. I don't mind that. What I do mind is his voice. <laughs> well, he is group. I understand that, but it's not the same accent as you know, him saying "I am Groot" or "We are Groot." It's yeah, it, it it did sound like his normal voice saying "I love right. you guys" rather than like when he said "We are Groot." That was still in the tone, right? See, right? You didn't you didn't recognize Vin Diesel, but when he said that "I love you guys," you can hear Vin Diesel quite easily. And yeah. I was like, oh, boy. I was like, yeah, that was not it. So that's a weak point. There we go. That's our weak point. Sorry, Vin Diesel. <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm not sorry at all. He's the king of sequels, this guy. He doesn't really do anything original anymore. But anyway. Oh, that little dog, too, from Adam Warlock took over. I, pet, I, I don't know what that was. I don't know what it was, but it's cute. The part it where cute. it peed the floor had me laughing. I agree. Now, is this worth the watch? Absolutely. Worth the price of admission? I would say so. I totally agree. Thank you, James Gunn, for making this. Uh, you went out all out with this. This may be your last Marvel film, and if it is, good job. This is definitely worth it. I am going back to the theaters for this. I did see Mario Brothers again in the theater. I'm going to see this in the theaters again. Um, they do play a nice touch to Stan Lee, even though it's subtle. It's in the credits. Mm-hmm. That he makes an appearance. I mean, that was a great nice about the, the, the credits is this that's, that's when you can tell also that James Gunn is done because he was flashbacking to all the projects from yeah. the first two films, from the Holly special, and some of here again. It was like a photo album, just going through right. all the memories. By the way, that final picture, and I could be wrong, made me feel like I was uh, looking at a picture from um, Breakfast Club. Oh, you're talking about them on the floor? Yeah. No, I. well, the thing is, like James Gunn is very influenced by music. Yeah. And it's done very similar to the other uh, Volume 2, where they're posing against a wall. It's very rockish. It's very heavy metal. And that's what it felt to me. It just felt like heavy metal, especially with Gamora. Like, she's like, everyone's just chill and she's like, like laughing or something. Or, I thought or that was screaming Nebula. at someone. What did I say? You said Gamora. I thought that was Nebula. Oh, you're right. That's Nebula. That's a great, that's a great picture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, actually, that's picture. a really good picture. Do you think it's worth the buy? Yes. All right. Just had to get that out there because, like we've said, sometimes it's worth to watch in the theaters and not worth the buy. True, in this, in this case, I agree. Of the Marvel series films, if you're going to have any like closed chapter, I would say Guardians 1 through 3, 
you can have that and you, you don't need the rest of the films technically you'd be good with all the uh, just those three if you were going to say like i'm going to only have one chapter personally that's what i'm thinking there are some films i would not buy mm-hmm. one of them is eternals definitely not a, i will not buy that shang chi um has a tent on to do that because the second half well, I'm thinking like, uh, like if you're gonna get chapters like Thor. No, like, no, yeah, right. No, yeah, no, it's, a, it's, a, it's a complete story, mm-hmm. and and it and it mingles because again, you have from the start of the first galaxies, of the uh, Guardians of the Galaxies, you have that. You have Volume Two, then you have Infinity War, and you have Endgame, then you have Love and Thunder, you have the Holly Special, and then you have this mm-hmm. Volume Three. This, they're spread out multiple films. But yeah, that's definitely a block of his own. Exactly. All right, guys, that is our marvelous review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. If you have a movie for us to review or a show, please email us at tesla2bros at gmail.com or leave a description below. And let us know what you thought about this. We want to hear from you. Until the next time, we'll be the next time. I'm Angel. I'm Adon. Love you, bro. Love you, too. And start taking some drugs. Jeez. Thank you.